Alright, well go ahead and take your Bibles tonight and go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we will read, start reading at verse 7. It says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Tonight I'm going to continue speaking on messages to the family. Tonight I'm going to preach to the dads. I'm going to preach to the fathers. And this passage of scripture here, this one's normally used for praying and talking about uh, you know asking God for things and bring our request. But tonight I want to, what I want to talk about, what I want to get from this passage, uh, or, or I guess use this to kind of kick off what I want to talk about. But I want to talk tonight about the perfect example of a father. The perfect example of a father. I got to thinking about this because you know I want something for the fathers, and God has given us a perfect example of a father in the Bible with Him. And I thought, I wonder if there's any perfect examples of mothers. I couldn't find any, <laughs> and uh, we, we don't really have one of those in the Bible. But we do for the fathers. So I think fathers, uh, we I think we need to be we're a little extra accountable here because God has given us a great example. And I love how this pass, how He says this passage. You know, He does this popular um, part. You know, the asking it shall be given you, seeking ye shall find. And then He just kind of switches. He's like, or what man is there of you? If his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? He's kind of telling him, basically, this is what God's going to do. And then he says, any of you would do this. Oh, and by the way, you would do this and you're evil. I like how he says that. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts. I like how he throws that at him. Because you know most of these Jews, especially Jews during this time, you know, they thought they were pretty good. They didn't really think they were that bad. And here Jesus is going on. And a lot of times people, you know, they think that God doesn't care about their needs and God doesn't care about what they want. And here He's telling them that God absolutely does care. You evil fathers even will give your children bread if they want. You're not going to give them a stone or if they want a fish. You're not going to give them a serpent. You're evil and you know how to give good gifts. And He says, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him. Our Father which is in heaven, with the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, or the disciples' prayer, as I think it's better called, um, our Father that we have. And we get, He gives us, there's many, you know, God, He's always the perfect example of anything, but I want to look at really just four things about that we see about God and his relationship with us as his children that I think that we as fathers need to practice and uh, have also in our own lives in the relationships with our children. And go, first off, I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, For your conver- Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
I think it's interesting in this passage here how he talks about or how it mentions um, you know being without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Once again, it's talking about the provision here of the Father. You know, God He provides, He gives us what we need, He takes care of those things. But then it goes on further and it says. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The one thing we see about our Heavenly Father that I think we as earthly fathers need to practice with our children is be present. He's always there. I mean, think about it with God. You can pray anytime, anywhere. Thank God we don't, we don't have to only pray at church. You can pray while you're driving down the road. I imagine you might not even realize it, but while you were spinning on that road, you probably said a quick prayer. And I've been there before. I remember one time I was driving down the road in the winter time, and um, it's not real far from where you all live. Actually, I was on eight, I was on ninety. Is that ninety two? Yeah, ninety two. And I was um, getting to that spot there in Sublette. Not Sublette. No, um, Lamoille. No, yeah, Lamoille, where that gas station is. And I was thinking about going, going ahead and turning right. I could go that way to go home. Or I could just keep going straight. And I went to go turn right. And all of a sudden, I turned right and I just like spun all the way around. I didn't go in the ditch. I just kind of did a donut there. And I was pointing the direction like I was going to go to Mendota. And I remember when that, I remember when that happened. Immediately I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go. <laughs> the Mendota way because that's the way my car was pointing and on the tape player in my car playing at that moment was Lord I need you so I'm like, Lord I need you and I remember I was just like yes I do <laughs> and I just felt like the Lord protected me right there I just thanked him thank you for not letting me go in the ditch but we, we can do that with our Heavenly Father he's there during those times yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil for thou art with me he's always there during our difficult times he's always present we can always count on him he said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I preached a while back in that verse, but we can, we can boldly approach God. We don't have to you know, sneak up to Him scared and you know, wonder if He's going to listen. We've all probably been there before. Maybe you had to approach somebody. You had a request or you had a need. And you were maybe afraid to ask. Maybe... You, know, you're, you need to ask your boss for a raise. Or maybe you need to ask him for time off. I mean, I don't know what he's going to say. He's probably going to get mad. And you're, you're worried about it. And you're maybe afraid to ask. You're afraid to say anything. But with God, we don't have to do that, especially if our need that we have is legitimate. If, our, if what we really need is legitimate, God, we see in the Bible that God will take care of that need. Okay, now sometimes... What we think we need, we don't really need. But if you really do, you don't have to be scared to ask him. When it comes, when I can understand maybe being scared of your boss sometimes. They're not perfect. They're not always reasonable. And maybe even being a little scared of your earthly father. Sometimes they, they're not perfect either. But with God, if what you need is really legitimate, you can go to him at any time. And you don't have to be scared. And if you are scared, it's probably because you don't need deep down inside what you're wanting to ask for. You don't really need and you know, you know you don't really need that winning lottery ticket. You just want that winning lottery ticket. Now, you don't really need that Camaro. You just want that Camaro. Whatever it is. And, but with God, we can approach Him boldly at any time. 
So be present. And part of that, I believe, is just being present is not just being necessarily in the room, but it's being where you're supposed to be. Now, I'm going to ask you two questions here. These are basically the same question. How many has ever seen, here has ever watched a Christmas movie? Ever seen a Christmas movie? Any Christmas movie? All right. Now, how, um, this is basically the same question. How many of you have ever watched a Christmas movie where there was a father on there that was just too busy for his children and was not, you know, all, all he cared about was work, was just forgetting the true meaning of Christmas, and somewhere along the lines he realized what's really important is his family that's important and he figures it out. Anybody ever seen that before? Okay? If you've seen a Christmas movie, you've seen that. Okay? It's the, uh, every other Christmas movie is like that. But, you know, being present, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean being in the room. Although, uh, being around is very important. I, I believe it's being where you're supposed to be. One of the places that I believe, fathers, we ought to be, we ought to be in the house of God. You know, don't just send the wife and kids off to church. You know, we had a bus route for, for years. They still have it out of Lighthouse. One of these days, uh, that's one of my goals here. I'd love to have a bus route. Go and pick up kids or adults. But, you know, it always was sad to me Parents, you know, they send their kids and were so anxious for their kids to come and so adamant that their kids come, but they would never darken the doors of the church. I mean, we couldn't get, not all of them, sometimes we get some in there, but it was so hard to get parents into the church. I mean, we would do anything we could to get them there, and you just, you couldn't do it. They weren't interested. They all they wanted the kids to go, but not them. I remember we had these one kids that were on our, our bus route, I believe they still go there. And just, you know, I don't know, every once in a while you just kind of get attached to certain kids. And they're just kind of your favorites, I guess. And these kids were kind of my favorites. And I remember uh, Brother Joe, uh, we were talking about going and visiting someone. I said, you know what, let's go visit these kids' parents. I said, you know what, we're going to go visit them. And what we were being, you know, I was like, we're, they're going to get saved. We're going to give them the plan of salvation, and they're going to get saved. I mean, we were ready to go. I mean, we were focused. We prayed about it, and we went there. We were ready to give them the gospel. Without, you know, we care about these kids. We want to see their parents get saved and get them in church. And boy, we were all excited, ready to go. We went into their house. They invited us in. Like, all right. And they're like, hey, good to have you guys here. But uh, don't get upset if you don't seem to be paying a whole lot of attention to you. The NFL drafts on. And I'm looking around in their living room, and there's football stuff all over the walls. Husband and wife, both huge football fans. And the NFL draft was on. And they were in there, and they talked to us and everything, but we weren't going to be able to give the plan of salvation to them. All they wanted to talk about was football. And they were, they were focused in, and they admitted it. I mean, hey, this is NFL draft. This is one of the big days of the year for, for them, I guess, for hardcore football fans. You know what I mean? And I didn't really care that much, but they did a lot. And you know, and it's like we could, you know we wanted so bad, and we ne- we never really got a good opportunity to give them the plan of salvation like we wanted to. We I don't unless thing you know I don't know if anything's changed since I left, but while I was there, we never got them into church. They always wanted their kids to go, but they didn't want to. And the problem is, then later when the kids would get older, all of a sudden now they don't want to. And the parents, well, I don't know, they don't want to go this morning. I don't know why they don't want to go to church. Sometimes I just want to say, maybe it's because they're acting like their mom and dad. You know, maybe if you went to church with them, 
They would, they would come along. And your parents and fathers especially, you need to be where you're supposed to be. I think being faithful to the house of God is very important. If it's not important in your life, it's not going to be important in their life. I mean, it's very good chance it's not going to be. And you've got to set that example. And it is, I mean, it is a huge thing. Be faithful to the house of God. Also, remember, I said, you know, they always get all over these guys in the movies because, you know, they're always busy, always at work and everything. And yeah, they, on the movies, they go to extreme to help prove their point. But part of being present as a father is being faithful to your responsibilities. Okay, listen, I want to be there for my kids, but I don't think I would be a better father if I said, you know what? My highest priority is my children. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit my job so I can spend more time with my kids. Well, wait a minute. I've got also a responsibility to provide for them and to take care of their needs. And I can't do that if I'm sitting at home watching TV and playing video games or yeah, even taking them out hunting and walking through the woods and camping. I've got, to, I've got to fulfill my responsibilities. That's part of being present as a father. And listen, there's fathers out there. Sometimes they do. They've got to work hard. They've got to work long hours. And it's not easy for them. They, but I believe that's part of being present. Okay, it's one thing if they're off you know, playing golf, you know, hanging out with their buddies at the bar. But if part of working, I believe that's part of being present. I, I really do. Taking care of of their responsibilities. And then you ought to be faithful to those things. You've got to teach your kids, uh, you know, your sons especially, you know, just the value and the importance of being responsible and being hardworking and just doing whatever it takes to provide and to take care of your family. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want to turn that responsibility over to the government. They don't do a very good job taking care of people. And it's not really their responsibility. It shouldn't be. And, and even if, if you give that over to them, they are not going to do as good of a job. They don't love you as much. Okay, I'm telling you, there's nobody in the government that loves my family more than me. And why would they? Okay, why would they? they they're not going to. And be faithful to your responsibility. Be present. Thank God that He always fulfills His responsibilities for us. He takes care of our needs. He watches over us. He protects us. He's there when we need Him. He's, he does what needs to be done. He always fulfills His responsibilities. He always does what He needs to do. But also, be faithful to your wife. Another very important thing. That, that's, an, that's an important thing to kids. It's, it's as rough or rougher on kids when there's conflict in the home. It's a very, it's a very difficult thing. And um, I believe that that's, you know, they need that in their life. They need that example. And be faithful. Be where you're supposed to be. Be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful in your responsibilities. Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful you know, to your family and the things that you need to do. Just be faithfulness. It's something, a verse in the Bible talks about a faith, but a faithful man who can find. It's hard to find that. And people these days, it's hard to find people. You know, pastors. You know, they just looking for people, faithful people in their church. And you know, you hear a lot of talk sometimes. You know, like at the youth conference we were at yesterday, and you hear a lot of preaching. You know, about you know, we need you know faithful uh, faithful servants. God, you know, we need people called to preach and called to the mission field. But I'm here today to tell you too. Every pastor in the world will tell you, man, they give their right arm for faithful lay people. 
And that is, and I thank God we have some here. I thank God for that. And it is huge. I don't care how good of a preacher you are. If you don't have some faithful laymen and laywomen in the church, you're not going to have a very good church. I don't care how good you preach. I don't care how you know, good you are at whatever. If you don't have faithful people in the church serving God and being a part of the work, you are not going to be able to accomplish that much. You're not going to, you're, the church is not going to accomplish much. And boy, do we need those. They, and churches all over. I've been in churches before where, and listen, I'm 100% for women. I, I am. I'm not, a, I'm not a male chauvinist. My wife accuses me of it all the time because you know, I'm always on the guy's side, but that's just because I like to stir things up a little bit. But you know, I've been to churches where it's almost all women in the church. And let me tell you, you need both. You really do. All right. Well, you know, we don't want just all men in the church too. You know, we need we need ladies too. We absolutely you need you need both. And it's always scary when it's and I you know I've never seen that in a church where it's almost all men. I, I've never seen that before. But I have where it's almost all ladies, and that shouldn't happen. Men need to be in their place. So be be present. Also be. Persistent. We see that with God. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. Be persistent. It says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promises; some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." God doesn't just, you know. It, I mean, think about it. God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God just spoke this universe into existence in a matter of six days. Okay, that's the kind of power that God has. We see story after story in the Bible of miracle after miracle in nature that God did just by speaking the word. Jesus Christ, when He was on the Sea of Galilee and the storms raging, He said, Peace be still, and the winds and the seas obeyed Him. The disciples, they marveled. I mean, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey Him. You've got the story of Jonah and the whale where God spoke to the fish and the fish went and vomited Jonah up on the shores of Nineveh. We see that nature is 100% obedient to the Word of God, but man isn't. Think about it. The ones that God chose to love the most are the most disobedient ones, are the ones that give Him the most grief, the ones that He had to die on a cross for, but yet, he's long suffering to us. I mean, really, he, he's able to command nature the way he does. But us, he told, he can say in his word, "Thou shalt not kill." People do it all the time. You would think that God would say, "Forget you, you people, don't listen." But you know what? He just he keeps on loving us. He that when he the Holy Spirit speaks to people's heart about salvation, thank God he'll do it over. And over again, there's many people that for years God dealt with them about salvation before they finally got saved. For years and years. But God was persistent. He kept on He kept on and He kept on trying. He kept on working with them. And He didn't just cast them aside. He didn't just say, well, you had your one chance. Forget you. He didn't do that. He kept going. Also in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 7, it says, For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. 
For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills remove, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. He's talking to Israel during a wicked time. And he's talking about his mercy and how his kindness, it's not going to stop. God is persistent in his love to us. He just keeps on. He, he's patient. He never gives up. And boy, fathers, that's an important thing. You know what? It's going to take patience raising those children. It's going to take you know, more than one lesson, I guess, to uh, teach them some things. It, it takes a while. To learn some things, I've told, and I talked about it before. You know, our kids. I'm telling you, for a while, you know, our, our boys especially, when we take them out in public and Walmart or out to eat, especially, they were terrible. I mean, it was just awful, and it was embarrassing. And there were times we were like, we just can't go out to eat. We can't. We're not going to be able to take them into stores. You're, we're, just one of us is going to have to go. You know, we're going to have to. If we want to go out to eat, we're going to have to go one at a time because we can't take our kids out in public. They're too rotten. And, but you know what? We just we started dealing with it biblically and uh, just kept dealing with it. And you know what? Finally registered. Finally started, it finally started to work. And there have been so many times where we've been in restaurants and we will get these you know, compliments. Oh, your kids are so well behaved. Blah, blah, blah. And... And we just sat there, you know, we just kind of laughed. It's like, you don't know what this took. <laughs> what, we, what we used to have to do, like Steak and Shake for some reason. We always went to Steak and Shake in Peru. And that was, they were terrible at that place. Just terrible. I remember Tommy, when he, he, was, he was real little. We drove by there one time and he's like, there's a place where we're always bad. <laughs> you're going to hear us talk about it so much. They, they knew they were bad there. And I remember what we, what, one of the things that we did for a while before before we would go into a restaurant, we'd have to give the scares talk. Let me tell you kids something. When we go in there, if you do anything, anything, we're keeping track. And when we get home, you're gonna be sorry. You know, give them the good scare talk. And then they would you know they and then that you know that worked. They behave. And you know, it got to where we didn't even have to give the scare talk anymore. Every once in a while you gotta give a reminder. But uh, we we didn't even have to give the scare talk anymore. But they'd be in there behaving and, you know, people give compliments. And they have, if you heard what we told them in the van, <laughs> you'd be behaving too. <laughs> but it's just not... You, you had to do those things. And we had, we had to keep on working and be patient. You, you, just, you can't give up. Kids, they're too important. You just can't give up on them. You can't just decide, you know, forget it. Uh, we're done. Just let them have their way. It takes work. I mean, people, you know, you see some of these real big families that just have tons of kids and their kids just seem so well behaved. And it's like, you know, after your family gets so big, you have no choice but to get those kids in line. Otherwise, it's just going to be absolute anarchy and your house is going to get torn apart and you're, you're literally going to go crazy. But these days, people, they literally, they just give up. And God doesn't do that with us. As a father, God doesn't do that. And we can't, fathers, we cannot do that with our children. Don't give up. When they get older, said, you know, I haven't raised teenagers yet, but they're getting close. And sometimes they get rebellious. And you're just like, forget it. You know, let's just, 
ship you off to military school and <laughs> let, let them straighten you out. Uh, you can't you can't do that. You gotta have you gotta have patience. Don't ever give up. Even if they grow up and they go off and go into sin and you no longer have control anymore. Don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. Keep caring about them. Keep on uh, trying, you know, trying to bring them back and just just never quit. And thank God that He's that way with us. Be persistent. Also, uh, be persuasive. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 26. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 26. It says, For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. Okay, God, he instructs and he, he teaches. God shows how to do things. Psalms 32, chapter 8. I like this verse. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. God, He teaches. He instructs. He'll guide his eye. He'll give you that look. You've probably seen me up here before. You know, just giving looks to the kids. Every once in a while, I've got to get Allie's attention. And I'm trying to guide with the eye. Okay. Your parents have all done that before. Where you give your kids a look, you're trying to guide them with the eye. Sometimes the eye doesn't work. <laughs> Sometimes the hand's got to get involved. And you've got to, you know, you got to physically... Uh, Restrain them sometimes. But God, though, He does that with us. He's persuasive. And not only does He, he just instruct and teach. And, but God, He doesn't just give commands, even though He does give commands. God gave us the ten, not suggestions, not the ten, you know, it would be best if you all tried this. He gave us the ten commandments. God clearly has given us commandments. He says, this is what needs to be done, and this is how it's supposed to be done. God has given us commandments, and that is absolutely fine. We need those commandments. But, God doesn't just give commands. God also gives advice. Notice in this verse, you know, He'll instruct you and teach you. He's going to show us how it's done. He's, he's going to make it applicable in our lives. He's going, to, he's going to help it to click in our minds and help us register. He's going to teach thee. I'll instruct thee and teach thee. That's what a teacher does. A teacher, a good school teacher, doesn't just get up in front of the class and say, alright, students, this is how you do algebra. And then just go and read off the rules for solving a difficult mathematical equation. Okay, anybody can do that. I remember when I when I was a kid, I was I was a little slow, especially in math. And I remember, you know, they always had the instructions in the book on how to do something. You know, read the instructions, teach us something. Read the instructions. All right, I read the instructions. I read them, but I still had no clue what I was doing. And so sometimes I'd have to call for the teacher, and the teacher would show me. And how to do it. And God's given us His commandments. But you know what? Sometimes it is. It is. It's difficult. What? Love your enemy? <laughs> how am I supposed to do that? Okay, we know the command. But then God, He, tell, he tells us how to do that. He gives us advice. He t- tells us things like, uh, you know, forgive. Uh, like in the prayer, Lord's Prayer mentioned, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To me, that's good advice on how you can love your enemies. Well, think about that. I want God to forgive me. I want God to love me. And yet, I'm not willing to love those who sin against me. Well, 
you know, that's kind of a double standard there, asking God to bless my life and asking God to love me when I'm not willing to do it to other people. God didn't just end it with, you know, love your enemies. God, he should, there's many other things in the Bible that show us how we can do it. He, God explained how, we, and through the Bible, how we're basically, we were an enemy to Him. But yet He loved us anyway. He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. God's never asked us to do anything that He was not willing to do Himself or do for us. He was willing to go to the cross for us. God was willing to leave heaven and come to earth. Uh, Brother Weaver talked about this morning. He left heaven to come to earth for us. So really, it's not that big of a thing if God asks us to leave America to go to a foreign country for Him. I mean, think about what He did. God He didn't just, doesn't just give commands. He gives advice. Sometimes fathers, you know, we're good at giving commands. Don't! <laughs> No, you know, stop. You know, you know, we know all the commands, but sometimes you've got to be able to be persuasive and you do, you've got to give advice. You've got to, you've got to teach people. Why? There's a lot of fathers out there that tell, they tell their kids, don't smoke while they're smoking a cigarette. They'll tell their kids, don't drink with a can of beer in their hands. Okay, those are good commands that they're giving, but... That's not real good advice. Okay, that's not a real. Well, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you. That's just not. That's not going to register with most. And don't do drugs while they're doing drugs. That just doesn't work. Be persuasive. Not only do you need to live it. I mean, how do you expect? I mean, somebody, you know, your child especially. You know, you give them these commands to live a certain way. And then you act like it's impossible to do that yourself. You know, you need to learn to control your temper right after you backhand their mother. Okay? That's not that's just not gonna work real well. They're gonna think it can't be done. And you've got to show them how it's done. You've got to be persuasive. And then if that's not enough, maybe you are living those things. You're living it, you're not doing all that stuff, you're following your own commandments. But then sometimes you need to go the extra step. You need to be able to you need to show them from the Bible. Sometimes you might need to even show them in life. You know, give them examples. Say, hey, this is where this lifestyle will lead you. I think it's good to do stuff like that. You know, I, I, I don't. I'm not. Try, I don't think it's good to try to be judgmental, be passing judgment on people. But you know what? Sometimes it's real clear what people's problems are. I mean, it, it's it's obvious. It's all over facing. Sometimes you just, you need to point that out. Not trying to be mean. Not being cruel. Not trying to say that you're better. But say, you know, kids, this is why we don't do that. This is why. You know, maybe you hear a story on the news about. Some innocent person getting killed by a drunk driving accident. And you say, your kids, that's why we don't drink. Because when you drink, you don't always think straight. You know, nobody's sober. You know, everybody, everybody, nobody wants to do something like that. But when you drink, you kind of lose some of your those defenses. They come that you let your guard down. And you know, if we did that, if I did that, I might do the same thing. I might, I might go kill some innocent little kid. And so, yeah, that's, that's why we don't do that. Use those opportunities. Point it out. And teach them where that kind of lifestyle will lead. Be persuasive. God's given us examples. Some really good examples in the Bible for pretty much anything. He's given us examples. And we can, we can look at that. He's given us good examples and He's given us bad examples. He showed us 
you know, what to do. He showed us what not to do. We've got to pass those things on to our children. So be present, be persistent, be persuasive. And then the last one, be providing. Mark chapter 14, verse 36 says, And He said, I like this. This is Jesus as He's praying. And He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto Thee. Take away this cup from Me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what Thou wilt. Jesus, when He's praying to His Father, He says, He said, Abba, Father. That term, Abba, Father, that is just, that's a very affectionate, a very personal term. You guys would probably think it was a little weird if my kids came to me and they were and they called me father. And like, you know, you know, father, you know, can we you know, you take us somewhere to eat tonight. You know, it's just I, in in America and our culture, a kid calling their dad father, that just seems a little strange, okay? You think, wow, that guy, he must be really Mean to his kids or something, but what do you, what do they what do they usually call him? Okay, especially a little one, right? Like you know, like Al, usually daddy is the term. You know, daddy is what what they usually call. And that term Abba, that's kind of the basically the same thing as calling your father daddy. It shows here the that close relationship that Jesus had with his father. And notice that Jesus used this term. When he's praying and he's asking God for something, he says, "You know, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me." That drinking that cup of sin was a horrible thought for Jesus Christ because of his holiness, because of his perfection, and he used that term. And actually, in this case, uh, he didn't get what he asked for. He had to drink that cup of sin, and he did it willingly. I love that phrase, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Jesus made it clear what he wanted. And he didn't want and what he didn't want. He didn't want to drink the cup of sin, but more than that, he wanted to do the will of his Father. And that that's that's another wonderful message we could do right there. But no, also in Rome I in Romans chapter eight, verse fifteen, it says, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We also can say that same thing to the Father. We can have that relationship with Him. We can use that when we need to go to God for something. When we need to ask. We are not, we are not in bondage. We have received the spirit of adoption. We weren't naturally born into the family of God. We were adopted. We were chosen. We were picked. I mean, what a wonderful thing that is. To I mean, I, I believe adoption is a wonderful thing. I think it's a great picture of the salvation of a sinner. And, it, and God does that with us. And we can do that. We can call Him Abba Father. The same thing that Jesus, the only begotten Son, called the Father. We can we can have that same type of relationship with him, and if he was willing to if he was willing to listen to the prayers of his son and answer the prayers of his sons, he'll do it with us too. We can say the same thing. Galatians chapter four six says, "And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father." 
That same Spirit that Jesus had that caused Him to cry out, Abba, Father, that's in us that causes us to say that same thing to God when it comes to our needs, when it comes to what we need. We go to God. I mean, we are, we're like a little child when we go to Him. I mean, He's the one that we look to. He's the one... I mean. Like out, she calls me daddy, and so, and sometimes she I talked about she even calls me Superman. I, I've told her I'm Superman, and you know what? In her, in her mind, you know, I might as well be Superman. She'll figure it out later. I'm not, but you know what? With God, we ought to have that same attitude towards our heavenly Father that a little child does with their earthly father, and then as earthly fathers. We need, we, we need to be the same way. Now, obviously, we're not as powerful as God is. We can't, do, we can't do anything. But what does God ask us to do? God, We've used this verse before. He said, Be therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Remember, that's not talking about sinless perfection. That's talking about living up to your potential. Now, God's potential is perfection. God can do anything. But as fathers, while we aren't perfect, we ought to strive to do the best we possibly can. To provide the best that we possibly can. I want to be able to give the kids things, you know, my kids need, I want to be able to give those things to them. But you know, chances are when Tommy turns 16, if he, you know, if he needs a car or needs transportation, he might, he might want, you know, a brand new Mustang. As his father... That is not in my potential right now unless there is a great change in the next few years. I can't do that. I can't do that for him. But I'm definitely going to want to try to help him get to that point. I understand wanting a car. I understand needing a good car. And whatever I can do, I want to do. I want to help. I want to be there. I want to try to live up to my potential. You know, I can't hear... God, He can hear the prayers of all of us at the same time. I can't do that. Sometimes I come home and all the kids have something to tell me at the same time. And I just come walking in and, uh, and I have to stop. Hey, wait. One at a time. <laughs> all right? I, I, can't hear, I can't hear all those things at once. But I can listen to one at a time. I can do my best. And we need, that ought to be us. We need to be, when it comes to taking care of the needs, when it comes, not just the financial needs, although that is a huge part, but taking care of the physical needs. You know, I can't protect my family from anything. Okay, God, there's nothing that can get past God. Okay, now there's stuff that can get past me, but I can promise you this, if somebody, if I will do whatever is in my power to take care of my family. I'm not the strongest person in the world. That's why I practice my Second Amendment rights. Because I can take down, you know, I have some tools that can take down some pretty big people. And I will use those if necessary. And to their full potential, if, if I have to, because I I'm going I'm going to take care of my kids to the best of my ability. If I have, if I have to die in the process, I die in the process. I'm going to take care. Uh, I'm going to take care of those things. I want to be the protector. I'm not going to go tonight if a burglar breaks in. And I hear him out there. I'm not going to go send my wife out there to take care of it while I hide under the covers. Okay. Now if she thinks there's a burglar. She's pretty paranoid. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, you, know, you go because. She thinks our house is broken into about once a week, I think. But uh, <laughs> but if it was actually happening, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to send one of the kids. Uh, that guy's kind of big. You go take care of him. No. 
I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the best. And I might get the snot beat out of me. I might get killed. But I'm going to, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to go down and do my best. You know, take care of the emotional needs. Try to pay attention to what's going on in their lives and to find out what they need. And take care of those things. You know, especially with the girls. Okay? Because you don't want some punk guy coming along trying to take care of their emotional needs. Alright? I'm not... Not no, not gonna go there. <laughs> don't don't want him, don't want him taking over that. They're gonna go they're gonna go somewhere for it. Take care of those things. Take care of the spiritual needs. Okay, now this is a big one too, where the mom can really help. The mom is the keeper of the home, but the dad's involved in this too. But the spiritual needs, all right. Hey, be careful. Be careful what you allow in your house. There's gonna be some things that you're gonna, you need to keep out, and that you're gonna have to put some real safeguards on. Especially with you know things like the television and the computers, there's a lot of wicked stuff that can bring somebody down spiritually real fast, and you got to watch for that stuff. And sometimes you have to say, "All right, that's not coming in," or sometimes you have to even say, "That's going out." Kids might want to bring something in. You know, say, "No, that's out here. That's going to mess up your mind. That's going to mess you up spiritually." Take care of take care of those things. Though that that is part of providing. It's not just bringing home a paycheck. That's not all there is. You got to take care of those physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial needs. Take care of all those things. And God does that for us. God gives us His Holy Spirit that can comfort us during difficult times. He's given us His Word, the Bible, His love letter to us that we can go to and to find the answers that we need. And maybe when we're going through a difficult time and we're struggling emotionally and we're sad and hurting, we can find comfort in these Scriptures. God gave us what He needs in this book. He's given us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And God has said He's done everything He needs to do. And that's the biggest thing we can learn from Him. God lives up to His potential. None of us in here are God. None of us are going to come close to equaling God. But we can live up to our potential. We can be the best possible. And I believe in these four things being present, persistent, persuasive, providing. God has given us a great example of all of those things. And as dads, we need to put those and make those a part of our life as fathers. So with that, let's all stand together tonight.